Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. On September 7th, Impact Boom was invited to present on turning ideas into impactful actions at the Logan Ego Forum. A range of insights were shared during the presentation from myself, Jack Stone of B13rd, Lewis Carter and Ali Coglin of Eco Games. Tony Sharp of Substation 33 joined the Q&A and the event was emceed by Chad Renando of Startup Status. Impact Boom would like to thank the City of Logan for inviting us to speak at the Eco Forum and putting on a great event with some fantastic speakers. So we're going to hear from Tom Allen, turning ideas into impactful action. Founder and CEO of Impact Boom, Tom Allen is leading a social enterprise accelerator company, helping people unleash their greatest potential to create a better world. As well as running a company, Tom dedicates his time to teaching the next generation of entrepreneurs at Griffith University and QUT, and having seen firsthand some of the outcomes of his work uh, and some of the scale that he has as far as the sheer volume of other companies that he can impact, I'm really looking forward to the next conversation. Tom, where are you at? Here you are. Tom Allen. Tom Allen. Love it. Thanks very much. What a wonderful welcome. Thanks very much to all of you. And thanks especially to the City of Logan for inviting us here today and for putting on, quite frankly, what's been a really, really great event with some fantastic speakers. It takes a lot of work to put on an, an event like this and, and coordinate all, all those things, so we're very, very thankful for that. I'd love to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land that we stand on, the Yugambeh people, and pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and recognise that these lands have always been lands of learning and teaching and sharing for over 60,000 years. And if we're here at the Eco Forum today, I think there's a lot to be said in how you can sustain land for over 60,000 years and compare it to the effort that we've put in over the last 200 years and the sort of destruction that we've seen to our natural habitats. So lots of respect, ideas. Put your hand up if you've had an idea today about changing Logan or improving Logan. It might have been in the shower, it might have been in your car, it might have been in the workshop before. Hands nice and high if you've had an idea today. Excellent. Okay, great. Now that's a really good thing to start with, right? Ideas. Because we can all have ideas. And in fact, if we look at the population of Logan and we were to say that every Logan resident was going to have just four ideas today, and most probably they're going to have a lot more, then just today alone we'd be looking at 1.3 million ideas in this community. Now, how many of those ideas do you think are actually going to get off the ground? And how many of those ideas do you think are actually going to get out there and create the change that they are intending to make? Some of them will, for sure. But I can bet that a lot of them won't. And there is certainly a skill in taking those ideas 
and ensuring that they are actually converted into impact. So what I'd like you guys to do now is think about one goal that you have, one goal. Now this could be a big, audacious goal. It could be a, a Tony sort of question of how do we, how do we take e-waste out of Logan? It could think about employment, or it could simply be a smaller goal that's part of a larger set of actions, okay? But I'd like you to think of that goal. Close your eyes for a sec and just go, that's the goal I'm thinking that I'd like to work towards. Now, by the end of today's presentation, I'd like to improve your chances of actually making that goal a reality by 95% statistically. So we'll come back to that. For the last five years or so, there has been a very strong push towards an innovation ecosystem and the building of that, especially within our Australian communities, whether it's at the local, state, or federal level. And in fact, what you see here is one of the federal government adverts. Who remembers this ad on the TV screens and billboards five or so years ago? Now, when I saw this, I thought, great, we're starting to buy into innovation. This is good, we need this. But at the same time, I thought, there's something that's wrong with this. Now, in working with uni students and a bunch of different businesses and people who were working in our communities, I saw this and I thought, idea boom. You know, we've had 1.3 million potential ideas in Logan today. We don't need more ideas. What we really need is to understand how we actually take those ideas and do something useful with them. That's the real trick. How do we actually have the persistence to see these ideas turn into something greater than literally that idea? And so I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that my job is, is to do that, to help people, like uh, we'll see today, turn those ideas into impact. And this is the last cohort from our Elevate Plus Accelerator program and what a great bunch of people they are. They're all working towards a range of really great projects that are looking to tackle social and environmental issues. In the last 18 months or so, we've worked with over 50 different social enterprises around Queensland, Victoria, and in Europe as well. And we've got three of them here, one which will speak via video, which is Brisbane Tool Library, and a little later, we'll hear from Jack from B1 Third and Ali and Lewis from EcoGames who've been up the back today as well. So we're gonna hear their stories of how they took their ideas and moved them forward. And we'll combine that just with, with some of the learnings from our blog and podcast. We've spoken to over 250 global leaders in the space, people like Tony, for example, who share their stories about how they turned those ideas into action. Now, the one thing that we do know and the one very, very common consistent learning is that doing this stuff is bloody hard. It's a roller coaster ride. So you'd be up one day and down the next. You might have a big win and then you hit a brick wall. And what I consistently see in people like yourselves who push forward with those ideas is that they hit the brick wall, but they understand how to work around it and how to push on. They have resilience. And never has there been a more important time for us to actually take our ideas and do something useful with them for the better of our planet. We've heard various times today 
about the Great Barrier Reef, for example, and the threat that we all know exists for one of the world's wonderful ecosystems and the life within it. Just this week, we saw a hurricane sweep across the Bahamas, unprecedented category. It's killed at least 30 people. It's wiped out the whole community. We've had fires just up the road today in Binibara. Take down five houses. And this, these are the lungs of the earth, the Amazon. And this isn't due to climate change. This is due to the government and farmers who are wanting to clear the Amazon so that they can grow soybeans and beef to supply to the Chinese and American markets. So what are all these things going to happen? They're all interlinked very, very complex problems. They don't have easy solutions either. But they do also mean that we see other problems emerge from, from climate change, and that could be homelessness, migration of communities into new spaces, and that creates a whole bunch of new problems. So we understand that it's complex, and we shouldn't necessarily think that our solutions have to be big, big complex things as well. They can be small, simple actions as we've already heard today. So the common thing that ties us together and the reason why you're spending your Saturday in an event space working at an eco-forum is because you're probably passionate in this area. And in many ways, I'm probably preaching to the converted. But I have a challenge for you. And the challenge is, in nine months' time, I would like you to start a movement. Right? And that movement is going to involve millions of people from over a hundred countries in the world. And if you can do this, if you can set it up, you'll get nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize and you'll be on the front cover of Time magazine. Meet Greta. Greta Thunberg. 16 years old. She took a very, very simple idea of how do we create a movement, and she went and did exactly that. <laughs> and if Greta can do it, you know, what about all of us who have a lot more life experience? Perhaps there's all these other skills that we could also bring to the table and, and you know, experts that you guys are in your own right. Yet Greta is, is also, for, for many people, would be perceived as having additional barriers to creating change and turning her ideas into impact. Greta also has Asperger's, and just this week she tweeted that before starting this movement she was isolated, lonely, had no friends, was stuck at home, and she had an eating disorder. Now the thing that really got this movement for Greta, if we look at this as a case study according to her, was that she really found a deep meaning and a deep passion in what she was doing. Perception is extremely powerful. She had another tweet, and that tweet was related to what some would consider that disability, and she has turned that into a superpower. She's used that potential weakness to, to become an incredible strength. And she's being guided by her passion. I think there's a lot to say in that, in how we view and, and perceive what we are capable of as people in this room and what can really add up with all the small actions that you guys take. 
And we know humankind have done some pretty amazing things. They've sent people to the moon, right? And that would have started with a pretty basic idea of, I wonder what would, it would be like if we sent someone up in a rocket up there, right? But there would have been a lot of other actions and work over time to actually make that happen, and failures as well. See, it's quite easy to have ideas, but a consistent quality that I've seen in the people that I work with is that endurance factor. Some people may relate it to a successful marriage as well. Right? We know the, the statistics are not amazing when it comes to marriages in Australia or around the world. But we know that when we tackle ideas, we're going to come up against those problems. And, and how do we have that, that resilience to see them out? How do we build them up? And I know for sure that when you are part of a community, a support group, such as Logan, and you have other people around you and, and local government and Innovate Logan and different weekends to, to kickstart ideas and people like Chad hanging around who are you know, happy to try and help grow this ecosystem. There's a lot, a lot of support for you guys to make that happen. And Tony, Tony got up before. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were down in Melbourne and Tony was awarded the Social Enterprise Champion of the Year at the Social Traders Conference, which was amazing. Well done, Tony. But interestingly, your town, have you heard of your town? Your town is another social enterprise based out of Logan. They won large social enterprise of the year. So Logan took out two of the national awards. We're in a hot spot here. We are in an absolute hot spot for turning ideas into action. And you guys are part of this. 217, do you know what that number relates to? Any ideas? We know that diverse communities and diverse teams have better chances of success and innovation. Within Logan, there are 217 different ethnicities represented, which is a huge advantage for our community here. It gives you an edge when it comes to innovation, I believe. And so I think it's time for us to, to step into a few more case studies and hear some other people's stories. Put your hand up to, if you've eaten today. Great. A couple of people who are starving down the back there. Did you know that one in every three bites of your food that you eat is dependent on bees to actually produce it and pollinate it? One in three. That's one of the driving factors that drives Mr. Jack Stone from B1Third to do the work that he does at B1Third, right? And so Jack's going to share a little bit about his story. Where are you, Jack? Welcome up to the stage. Thank you so much. And what a pleasure to be here in front of such a, a responsive audience as well. And just hearing some of the words that have been spoken today, how relevant it is to all of us in our journeys. Our journeys are all different. Seven years ago, I would never have expected to be... Uh, to be a beekeeper keeping close to 200 beehives around the great southeast of Queensland, putting beehives on 15-storey rooftops in the middle of the city and engaging with corporate customers who I thought were so disconnected from the food system, I would be then, only a few years later, doing business with these people in educating them around the importance of bringing bees back into the city and the important role that bees play. Here's a little short clip quickly about essentially the, the, the scale of our business and the size of... From the rooftops of the inner city to the coastal plains of the Great Southeast, 
We are beekeepers with a mission to save our pollinator. Bees are so important to the ecosystem. They do not only support us with the vital act of pollination, but with the reminder to slow down and appreciate the world around us. We are proud to use ethical and bee-centric practices from hive to harvest and from bee to bottle. We employ people seeking asylum and of refugee backgrounds, providing skills-based training and mentoring to eventually empower them to invest in their own micro-bee business. Join us on our global mission to pollinate change. So one of the one of the beautiful things about this video is it shows the scale in which you can get to. I mean, we started off with one beehive seven years ago, and we knew nothing about bees. I knew nothing about nothing about bees and what bees did for our environment. I was just fascinated by the idea of it. I had a goal in mind, though, and that was to connect people with the idea of growing food in an urban landscape. And that's when the idea came to fruition. People were approaching me around this common idea of bees and growing food. And a lot of those people weren't Australians. They were people who were either refugees or people seeking asylum. And they were commonly interested to reconnect with what their native land, say from Iran or Afghanistan or Central Eastern Europe or Tamil, for example, they were all interested in engaging with nature. So that got me, it sparked an idea for me. How do we get these people building their knowledge and their connection to community through a common standpoint. And what is that common standpoint between food and the consumer? It's the bee. So we use bees as a vector for conversation. And whilst we do that, we look at bees and learn from bees to look at our environment because they are a barometer of our environment. So using bees as a vector for conversations, we bring bees back into the city. We help to provide pollination, which is the vital connecting link between the farmer and the consumer, and also to drive that conversation through common corporate networks. We use the networks of our customers and our clients. We put beehives up on top of rooftops for to connect to their network. If you don't have a way to connect to your desired network, how can you do it? How can you reach your new audience? And that might be through someone else's audience. Find the common connecting link. In 2013, when we started, essentially we didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know how to keep bees. I started off with three beehives in one location and just by myself. Six years later, understanding the landscape, navigating that pathway. We were lucky enough to be able to say that we've turned over a livable wage for three employees. We've got 150 plus beehives at the beginning of this year and we work with 23 corporate clients and people who require pollination, including community groups. So we provide that service. We connect to community via the networks of our customers. So we listen to the environment around us and we work with people who can help us achieve our goals. So thank you very much for allowing me to come and chat today, but one of the common, common points that I think we've all learned from today is utilise the services that are at your doorstep. Logan City Council has an array and a plethora of available subject matters for people to talk to and people to ask questions to. Don't fear, ask the question, get out there and do it is the first thing and the last thing and the best thing. So thank you. It's been a pleasure to work with Jack and 
these are the, the key takeaways that I've observed in the last seven or, seven or so years observing B1 third, is that really that big change starts with small actions. That every step of the way, Jack has had that passion there, that commitment, that drive, and that endurance. But the adaption is also really important because, of course, he's come up against those brick walls and he's found ways around them. So, overnight successes, according to the founder of Twitter, say, happen in 10 years. 10 years' time to become an overnight success. It takes a long time. Back to the reef. We know that the reef is at threat and we have two amazing people, Ali and Lewis of EcoGames, who are going to share their story about what they're doing to try and tackle this issue. Let's welcome them to the stage. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Lewis. And I'm Ali. And together, we have created EcoGames. And what we want to do now is just tell you a little bit about our story and where we are now and how we got there. So we know that ecosystems are full of wonderful, quirky animals like this turtle. But we believe that not many of us get to see nature like this. And that disconnect is what creates heartbreaking scenes like this. And currently, the best way that we have to fix scenes like this are charity muggers. You know the ones. Begging for donations, tugging on our heartstrings, and guilting us into giving money. We think that there is a better way of doing things, and we want to take you through a little bit of our story about how we've got from there to where we are now, which is doing this. So what we do at EcoGames is we build video games to help fund conservation through small in-game micro-donations. So in our virtual reality game, Resilient Reef, for example, uh, you'll be able to buy power-ups that allow you to uh, help you protect the reef that you're building in the game from threats, and we'll funnel that money through to conservation groups working on the Great Barrier Reef. But we didn't wake up one day and decide that that's what we wanted to do. Uh, EcoGames was formed by combining both Ali and I's skill sets. So what are your skills? Think about the things that you're uniquely good at and how you can use them to create change. It may not initially be obvious. For some of you it may be, but for some others it may not be. For me, I didn't know exactly how I could use game development um, to create change in a positive way. But I, for everyone here, I believe that there is something that you uniquely can do. You've just got to find it. Once you've identified that, um, you can start doing the thing, or even better, you can combine your skills with someone else's. So team up. When we started this journey, I didn't know anything about the Great Barrier Reef or behavior change or anything like that. And I certainly knew nothing about video game development. But through our collaboration, we create this unique force for change. And what we can achieve is greater than the sum of the individual parts. So think about where you can meet people who are like-minded and want to make positive change in the Logan community. I've, you've already probably spoken to everyone at your table. Maybe it's one of them. Right, so we're ready to start making change. But it turns out it's not this giant leap of faith into the unknown. It's actually a really small step in the right direction. You want to start small. When we started, we made a small prototype game just to see how people would respond, and then we've worked up from there and started aiming higher. So how can you create change in the smallest possible way with what you do? And then once you've done that, you can start doing more and more. 
I hope the ideas from uh, today's forum uh, has inspired you in what you can achieve. So we're only a really small startup. We started less than a year ago, but the point is that we started, right? And that can often be the hardest step. And what we've found across our journey is, yes, we have had these barriers, and yes, we have had these brick walls, but as we start to create positive change and start to see that positive impact happening, we get motivated and energized to do more and to keep trying and overcome those barriers. So every time we see somebody play our game, for instance, it really pushes us to keep going, the joy that we see people experiencing when, we, when they play the game. And what we've effectively done is take that and turned it into this. And this is really fun and engaging and optimistic and hopeful and really available to anybody from kids to 70 plus year olds. We have a few headsets with us. We really invite you to come and try it if you want to. It's a lot of fun and thank you for your attention. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lewis and Ellie. That was great. So some other quick, quick points. I think they've already said this, but complementary skill sets was great for them in working together to achieve that change. Interestingly, they also used crowdfunding to test their idea. And it was six months or so ago now, perhaps a little bit less, that they raised 18K just to help push that idea forward. Okay, and that helped provide some validation. They are absolutely passionate and committed, and from the start, they have designed this with the user in mind. They've been back and forth between here and the reef, speaking to tour operators, divers, others who are actually actively testing and using the game. Finally, we're going to watch a quick video. If you have any tools lying around your house, whether it be an angle grinder or a lawnmower, or perhaps it's just camping equipment, or perhaps it could even just be Christmas decorations, then you may have heard of Sabrina Chikori and the Brisbane Tool Library. So Sabrina's going to share her quick journey and what it is that kicked off this idea. Hi everyone, I'm Sabrina Chakori, the founder of the Brisbane Tool Library, and we're here in our space today. I'm really happy to share my journey with the EcoForum in Logan. The Brisbane Tool Library is really like a book library, but instead of books, people can borrow hand tools, power tools, camping gear, Christmas decoration, and much more. Our goal is to reduce household consumption and it's our small contribution uh, to improve the ecological footprint of uh, the Brisbane community. I think that we're living in a society that faces several social and environmental issues and for this reason it's up to all of us to take action on it. When I started the Brisbane Tool Library I didn't have any business skill and I'm definitely not a tool skilled person. However, I felt that I had to start from somewhere and that somewhere for me has been the community in West End. In 2017, when we started, we started out of a wardrobe and now we are based at the State Library of Queensland with uh, a thousand items available for our users. You know that a drill is used just for 12 minutes over its life cycle. Our slogan is you don't really need a drill, you just need a hole in the wall. And it's up to us to bring that social innovation to reduce the uh, social and environmental impacts on this planet. You are at the Eco Forum today. It means that you're interested and passionate. Now it's time to take action. What I learned during my journey is that there is no manual to take action. So if you really want to make change, 
join the ecosystem and just start. There's plenty of support out there and if you don't know, well, just ask for help. We're all here to help. Enjoy the rest of your day. I hope that you're gonna learn new things, but remember, the most important thing is to connect with those around you because they are, they are the change makers that are gonna help you. Now, Sabrina would have liked to be here today, but she's over in Europe at the moment, and hence said, I'd like to send the video in instead. We have an amazing culture in Logan, a culture that is supportive and willing to assist you to take your ideas to the next level. So, at the start, you thought about a specific goal that you could perhaps work on. Now, the American Institute of Training and Development says that if you share that goal, with someone else, that will improve your success rate by 65%. And if you, with that same person, create a date, a specific date, and make a commitment to them, and you check in with them in, in an accountability sense, you'll improve your chances of succeeding by 95% with that specific goal. So my challenge for all of you today is before you leave, Express what that goal is to the people on your table or around you, or with someone even better who you can set a date with and who can hold you accountable with. And ideally, you've met some great people who can help doing this. Use your passion, embrace your differences, use your strengths to your advantage. Start taking the small steps today, find support in your community, and play the long game. This is about endurance and persistence and I really do truly believe that you can all do this and make this a reality. So thanks very much for having me. Excellent, thanks Tom, and thanks guys. And what I might do, because um, we do have time, if we get the slides back up, we might ask you guys to come back up and bid a Q&A if we could, we'll just all stand up here. Because this is really the pointy end, right? This is the practical stuff. And you guys have stuck around and said, you know what, we're, we're kind of keen to actually engage and like this is, this is the passion, this is the people that can make it happen. And quite often all we need is, is just one idea. It is a bit of a long play as, as we heard, you know, overnight success, 10 years in the making, you know, seven years going and now being able to finally get off the ground. That's something that we often minimize. We, we see this big tree and say, I want a tree, not acknowledging the, the seed that was planted yonks ago. So, Chad, what is your background? So, yeah, for me personally, just a bit of manufacturing in the US. I did uh, a bit of digital. I was in the environment for a bit, environmental compliance officer in industry, and then worked for the EPA on their Ecobiz program back during the Al Gore days when, when all of that was happening. Uh, then management consultant for a while, ran the innovation hub in Ipswich for about a year and a half. And now I'm on the road um, going around helping startups and build ecosystems. Five years US Navy on nuclear submarines and five years as a radio DJ. So a bit of a potpourri, which also just says pretty much anything of your background, you can apply it for anything that you want to do. You guys have obviously seen a lot of other people, like maybe the people on the, on the floor saying, hey, look, I might have an idea. What do you see as the biggest challenge, both for yourselves and other social entrepreneurs, and the biggest thing that helps them out? So those two things, what, is, what do you see either in yourselves or in others as the biggest challenge? What's the thing that helps them out the most? 
My biggest challenge is Jared. Stand up, please. <laughs> so, um, Jared and I met two years ago around a very similar event to this, and Jared had a concept and an idea around some uh, environmental water monitoring. And maybe Jerry could hold up that buoy. So we've come a long way in the last two years, and it's around asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions. I think I picked up on Tom's point. Once you share your idea with somebody else and then put a date in mind, uh, you get somewhere. So we've got to that product in probably 12 months, and then standing beside Jared is another product that's another 12 months of development. This stuff all takes time. It's, it's 10 years to be an Omen's Island success, and it's so true. But in the words of Leanne Camp, who is the um, Chief Entrepreneur of Queensland, we just got to get in and have a go and get shit done. That's right. I mean, maybe from one of the entrepreneurs. For me, the biggest challenge, and it harkens back to what we were talking about in the presentation, was but how, how, how could I actually get started? And I think a lot of people, and I did this to myself, but overcomplicate it and then it becomes this massive hill that you have to climb. So that starting small thing is, is really important. Like if I asked you, everyone in this room, to go vegan right now, it's going to be a lot more challenging. Like I, I can name like one recipe that I can cook, and that's about it. But if I say, okay, Monday night, let's eat a meat-free meal, and then you can learn from there. I now, you know, I essentially started doing that, and now at home when we cook, I can cook. I know a bunch of vegetarian recipes, and that's how I know I can make a difference. Um, and I'll just work my way up from there. So using that time, that, that time to work up to that. And also when you're inspiring other people to get involved, that's a really great way. Don't ask other people who they don't have a keep cup or things like that. Don't ask them to go vegan. Ask them something simpler. You know, get the keep cup first and then work from there. Um, one of the questions around the eco game specifically, how much does it cost and where is it available? Okay, um, so the game is not out yet. We're still working on it. We're still uh, new. Games take time to develop, um, but keep an eye on it. We have social media and we also have an email sign-up that you can go to our website and sign up if you want to find more information. And it's currently being built for VR, but we will be exploring other, uh, other platforms just so that we can have a larger impact because we know most people don't have VR headsets in their houses at the moment. Thank you. I want to hop over to Tom. Uh, and some of the questions, a couple of them up there are around how do you start a social enterprise or how do you do this whole thing and explain maybe the process of the side hustle. How do you get these things off the ground while still kind of needing to do the mortgage and the family thing and, and that whole stuff? And how do you know when you're doing that whether or not your idea is good or not? Yeah, that's a great question, Chad. And I think it comes back to one of the original challenges, which was you know, one, of, one of these first questions. And I think one of the biggest challenges is around mental health work-life balance and, you know, being very upfront about burnout. I think, you know, having worked with quite a few people in this space, I'm working with a lot of people who are at bandwidth. They are absolutely pushing it. And I think that that can be a huge challenge in itself. So I think just understanding that staying on top of your health, your physical and mental health is very, very important. And to understand where your priorities are in terms of family. So starting up, where do you start and where, where does that side hustle begin? I think it doesn't have to start by you going, I'm going to quit my job because I've got this big idea and hopefully it'll work out, but somehow I've got to sort of pay the mortgage and, and bills at the same time. I think it is entirely possible to have this small idea and start working an hour a week at a night just to chip away at that idea and then go and attend a startup weekend and, and explore that idea further and see who in the community can help you. So it's really about those small actions that I think can, can sort of work towards these bigger goals and the bigger, bigger outcomes, but it just is really about starting. And from there, I think you then get that 
that support that you need, whether it be from a financial perspective, you know, there are grants available, uh, we know there's investment available um, across a range of programs. Once you get bigger, there's also investment available, but I do think we've still got a bit of a, a funding, a finance issue, uh, particularly in that sort of what they call the missing middle. But you're all professionals and experts in your own right, so you are completely capable to get out there and do that. And maybe from the, from the B one-third perspective, which, like you said, you've watched over the seven years grow, and I was really inspired by the whole notion of, I know the, the problem, I know the change I want to affect, I don't know Bs. And here you are, seven years later, with, with multiple customers, so maybe that process of starting out, and also, how did you go about engaging with those initial customers that are now supporting you and, and two other employees? I mean, initially I didn't know that I wanted to be a beekeeper. In fact, I knew only three months into researching the, how food is grown and what the important aspects to food growth were that I decided to, to get into bees. I wanted to grow food and I wanted to teach, pe teach people how to grow food in the urban setting. We, if, we, if we don't have to rely on the, on the farmer 400 kilometres away, then we can become a lot more connected with the supermarket food that we're purchasing on a daily basis if we can grow a small amount of it. So, so bees were for some, something for me that were was so left of field, but as I started to understand the connection that bees had to the food system, it was this little tiny hidden part of the whole cycle that caught my fascination. And I wasn't really successful in growing food when I tried it, but when I tried bees, when I got my first beehive, I caught a wild swarm. From the base of a, a tree, I caught a wild swarm. That one beehive became the nucleus of ideas that then spawned out into a, a, a starter for the conversation. Those first customers, though, they all denied me for, for two years. I was door knocking on cafes and restaurants saying, we're, we're producing honey in the city. Oh, and also we'd love to put a beehive on your rooftop so you can you know, say that you've taken the honey from your roof and you're serving it on the plate. Far too dangerous, liability risk out the roof. We're not, not even interested in the honey. We're, just, we're not interested in the whole aspect of it. We were given a great opportunity when we had one article, our first ever news article that opened up the doors to start having conversations with, with change makers in, community, in, in the community that wanted to be a part of the change. So that initial media played a big role in it. Big time. And all it was, the idea wasn't even real. I, w I was pretending to be a beekeeper by saying, we're keeping bees in the city and we're trying to create change through, through educating people on food awareness. And then all of a sudden a food writer wrote about Bee One Third and how one third of our global food supply is dependent on bees. And it was then that the first call came and that just became the steamroll that then turned into a hectic four years of figuring out how to keep bees. So one thing that I would say is don't grow faster than you can handle, but if you do end up growing faster, then that's when the side hustle really becomes that, the priority. The 6 p.m. till 12 p.m., what are you doing at night? How are you spending those important hours once the kids are in bed? I was lucky I started when I was 21 or 22, so I didn't have too many responsibilities, but I'm still managing that side hustle. For me, it's still a side hustle because my main game is keeping bees. Making money is a side hustle. My main game is keeping bees and talking to people about the importance of them. And I really like how you break it down into numbers. Like we're talking about complex challenges here, but you say one in every three mouthful. Like I really like how you simplify things down. Just one other real quick question, native bees? Native bees, we do work with native bees. Uh, we have a, a, a 
actually quite a number of native bees. We've got 12 native beehives and 150 European beehives, and that's because European beehives multiply much faster than native beehives. We actually work with local kindergartens right here in the Logan City Council district um, with two kindergartens uh, and childcare centres to educate the, the children about the importance of bees. So we place those native beehives in, open beehives up in a couple of months. We harvest the honey and we get kids engaged with insects because there's a fear around insects now. But native bees are the perfect vector for low level, low stimuli education. Excellent, thank you. And, and to close us off, um, this is all well and good. Here in about 15, 20 minutes, after we sing a few songs, we're gonna leave. And then what? And one of the things that can start a lot of this, um, and it started many startups across the world, definitely within Logan, is this thing called a startup weekend, which Tom referenced. What the heck is a startup weekend? And when is the very next one? And what should you sign up for if you have even the spark of an idea? Tony's gonna help us out. Okay, so at Substation we've run for three years now, we're up to our fifth startup weekend. It'll be run 22nd, 23rd, 24th of November. It's run in our space which we turn off electronic waste at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and turn on a startup weekend at five o'clock. The first evening, the Friday evening is around pitching your concept, pitching your idea and building a team and then you work on that business or on that model for uh, two days and then pitch again on two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. This is the way businesses start. Well, spending 54 hours on a business in one block and taking your, yourself completely offline is a great way to start. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.